Well, thank you, Lord. Amen. The Lord's good. So I hope some of y'all were able to go yesterday to the Love Life 40, 40 year or 40 year, 40 week. Did you want to say something about that, Crystal? You got something to say? It was really good yesterday. It was really, I think it was the best one I've been to, the, the, 40, the 40 week one. Come on up here, Crystal. Everybody give Crystal a big hand. Crystal's awesome. I was, I was standing beside Crystal yesterday and uh, doing that, and you could hear some good stuff coming out of her. So that's how you know about a person. You get around them and see what comes out of them in these moments. And I can tell, say, Crystal, you're awesome. Say it. Thank you. You guys were praying, and the prayers of the righteous avails much. It was incredible yesterday. Um, actually, a petition went out. I'm not sure how many of you guys know that, but apparently a UNC student started a petition trying to get the walk to be canceled, and it had over 100,000 signatures on the petition. But we still met, and the atmosphere was so peaceful because we were there. So I just thank you all for your prayers. God moved, and the next walk will begin for 2020 in February. It's the middle of February, but I'll be sure to let you guys know the date well in advance. So thank you for your prayers. One of the cool things they did yesterday is they had a, one of the girls who was a, uh, I guess she's a sidewalk counselor or something. She's pregnant with twin babies, okay? And they had this mobile uh, ultrasound truck there that's there all the time and they actually did an ultrasound with this lady to show everybody what a baby actually there were two babies it was the coolest thing they put it on the screen you could hear the baby's heartbeat and you could see the baby that was the most powerful thing in my opinion there yesterday that just took me out seeing that baby in the womb and hearing the heartbeat of this little baby in the womb you know, basically, they had a doctor there talking about it, but just to help people see that, you know, right next door, those same other little babies were being murdered, you know, and how important it is in the Lord's heart to save these babies' lives. It really is. So I want to thank everybody for, like Crystal said, all the, the prayers and the participations. It really was a really special moment. And you know, you have the what I call the crows over there on the other side. But they're like pre-saved people. Because I was really, I was seeing those people like, y'all are making the worst mistake in the world because God is so going to get you. I would not be shocked if next year one of those gals that were over there just, you know, just throwing profanities after profanity is up there testifying, you know, about the goodness of the Lord. Because there was a lot, there was, had several testimonies of women who were actually there to have abortions and that somehow God saved them out of it. And it's just amazing testimony. They had their babies there. It was just, so we're believing for the victory uh, in our country. Uh, and one of the big victories would be for abortion to not, no longer be legal in our nation. Wouldn't that be beautiful? So let's just ask the Lord one more time. Father, you love humanity. You love humanity. You love every baby in the womb. Lord, you love the, 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 the pre-saved people who are over there making, do, doing terrible stuff. You love them. And we're asking, Lord, to save those babies. 
and save those people who are doing abortions and those people who are supporting abortion. We're asking you today, Lord, you're good. And thank you, Lord, for all the ones you've already saved, Lord. And that you're going to save more, Lord. You're going to do more. Lord, there really will be an awakening in this country. Something good is going to come. Something good is going to happen, Lord. We believe it and we declare it today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're not going to be wimps here in this time. We're going to let the Holy Spirit embolden us with your power to release the power of love and compassion and Oh, Lord, just to break all these monsters that have come into this earth realm and break their power. These demonic monsters, Lord, that have risen up, Lord. I just believe, Lord, you're going to do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord's good. I'm going to read this verse to you. I read it to you last week. This is when David got anointed by Samuel. It says, Samuel, this is First Samuel 16, 13. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, being David, in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So well, a lot of people may or may not know, this was actually the first of three anointings of David. He got anointed two more times. He got anointed uh, by the elders of Judah uh, later uh, in life, like 13 years later. Uh, and he became the king just over the tribe of Judah because David was from the tribe of Judah. And then, seven and a half years after that, he got anointed by the rest of Israel. And so, and here's the common thing on each one of these anointings that David received is David didn't go at, David, David didn't do anything to get those anointings. All it came to him. Okay, in other words, God was searching out David. The, the, Jew, the, the, the elders of Judah went after David, and then finally all the elders of the, of the rest of Israel went after David to anoint him. And so that tells me that God is interested in anointing his people. He's, and God will pursue you. He wants you to carry an anointing more than you want to carry the anointing. I know there's many people in this room that are, that are very interested in the anointing, right? If you're not, let me slap you. Let me slap you into reality because the anointing is the thing. The anointing is the thing that God wants to give us and it's the thing that made David, David. Without that anointing, David would not be David because it says the anointing rested on him from that that period forward. That spirit of the Lord came on him and and rested on David. And that's what we're really looking, looking for. So really, the anointing is supernatural. It, we really can't explain the anointing. It's really unexplainable. You can define it. You, you, can, you can think about it in certain terms. But I, I wish we would just quit thinking about it. And it's not just about the anointing for, for certain things. There's an anointing for healing. There's an anointing for preaching. There's many anoint, manifestations of the anointing, okay? that really is. But the main thing is the anointing is really the thing that we should we have to not be talked out of. That, that's the thing because the anointing really ultimately will make you more Christ-like because Jesus was anointed. Okay, and if so that's one of the main factors in Jesus' life is that he had this anointing. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. That's what Jesus said about himself in Luke 4, 18 and 19. And that was his mission. He described his mission 
And so we have to not be talked out of the anointing. We maybe need to quit thinking about it just in one dimension, okay? But, but we really have to believe that the anointing is something that God has for everybody. And ultimately, the anointing is the thing that is going to bring you into everything that God has for you. Apart from the anointing, forget it. You're not going to get there. Another thing is the anointing is an activator, okay? It's a catalyst. You know what a catalyst is? John knows what a catalyst is. A catalyst causes, causes action. It causes heat, okay? You know, here's the best way to describe a catalyst is, you know, epoxy glue. Y'all know that it had two parts to it. Well, neither one of those parts are going to do anything. It won't hold nothing if you just put one of them on. But when you put them together, there's, one of them's a catalyst. It causes what that other part is to become glue. It causes it to become that. And then it can make the bond. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's what the anointing is for us. It's like there's these two parts. There's us and there's the anointing. And when, we, when that anointing comes, it causes us to come forth and be what God's called us to be. Now listen to this. David was anointed by Samuel. Okay, and, and guess what? Guess what happened to David then? We don't really know. What a lot of people think is all of a sudden he was anointed to be the king of Israel. Did he become the king right then? No. In fact, you know what, Dave, more than likely what David did, he probably left the house that day and went back out to the sheep and picked up right where he left off. He picked up taking care of the sheep, doing what his daddy told him to do. Okay? And then, listen, Almost, approximately, let me call it approximately three years later. Three years. Not next week, not three months. Three years later, his dad calls him in one day and says, David, your brothers are in the army now, and I would like for you to go check on them and bring them some lunch. And so David goes to check on his brothers, and guess who is out there? Goliath is out there raising ruckus, declaring us, and guess what happened to David? The anointing came on him. He got activated at that moment. Suddenly, David went from this guy that we don't know nothing about, just taking care of sheep, feeding sheep, you know, beating off lions and beating off bears. Suddenly, this activation comes in his life. And see, that's what the anointing does. There's just times you're going to be walking around being normal old you. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Just normal, everyday you. The everyday you that God loves and cares about. And all of a sudden, something begins to activate in your life. It's the anointing. And at that moment, David began to step into his destiny. At that moment, David, something rose up in him. And he began, he saw something that the Spirit of God was not going for. The Spirit of God wasn't going for it. And there's stuff in the earth that the Spirit of God is not going for. And He wants to activate some people. He wants that anointing to begin to rise up in them and they begin to do something about whatever is in front of them. That Goliath, that giant. Take it down, take it down. And that's, that's what happened to David. So he took down the giant and suddenly his, he became famous in Israel. He became so famous that the people in charge suddenly felt threatened by David. But really what they were threatened by was the anointing. People don't love the anointing if they're not holy, tuned in with the Holy Spirit. People can become very offended 
with the anointing. But, but un- unfortunately, it's not the anointing that's catching the heat. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's the person catching the heat. It, you hear what I'm telling you? See, the anointing, let me just tell you, the anointing will get you in trouble. It, it'll get you in trouble because there's another spirit out there. It's a religious spirit, okay, or it's a, or it's a political spirit. Or it's an orphan spirit. You, you can list the spirits that are going to begin to resist you because they think because you're a threat to them, not because you are, but because this anointing that you're carrying on your life. And so that, immediately Saul became threatened by David and, and became his enemy. And guess what? 13 years, y'all. 13 years. Saul pursued. David to kill him. 13 years. Not three years. Not six years. 13 years. David was anointed. Three years later, he gets, gets a hold of Goliath this, and he begins to emerge. Next thing you know, 13 years down the road, David's running. He's hiding. You know, and he wrote some of his amazing psalms. Uh, I was thinking about one of them. It was another song we used to sing. Uh, it's something like, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, deliverer, my strong tower. Remember that song, Becky? You know, it's a beautiful song. But guess where David came up with that song? He came up with the song in the wilderness because he was using all these terms, the Lord is my rock, because he was out there in the rocks. Are you hearing? The Lord is my stronghold. The, the Lord is my deliverer because that's how he be, had, has, how he learned God. He learned those things about God in that time when he was being chased down as an outlaw. Isn't that beautiful? And so, you, so what we see about the anointing is there's this progressive thing on the anointing because when David was first anointed by Samuel, he was not ready to be the king. He was, he was unprepared. He was untested. He was unbroken. And what had to happen, this anointing had to begin to work in his life and teach him. That's what the New Testament tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 through 27, that the anointing is a teacher. It begins to teach us about God and, and about how God works and about how God flows. And, and see, the, the anointing, that's why John said, you don't need, a, you don't need a, a man to teach you. You need the anointing to teach you. you have this, and he says, we have this anointing inside of us to teach us. Okay? And see, what gifted people do is they speak. When they speak, they, they're, what they're trying to do is activate that anointing in you that can begin to take what they're saying or what they're doing and you begin to get it in you. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And so that's what was really going on with David all those years is he was being prepared to be the king. The anointing was what was preparing him. He was going through these experiences that were difficult and trying to him. And, you know, David even said he was enlarged in his, in his difficulties and his troubles. The reason he was enlarged is because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was working in his life. And that's why I say we can't be talked out of the anointing at all. We can't be talked out because you, you you're going to go, everybody's going to go through trouble. But how, much of a, how many of us are going to be enlarged in that trouble? How many of us are going to 
allow the trouble to serve us. You hear what I'm saying? You got personal issues in your life. And perhaps those issues were actually servants sent from God to serve you, to help you become who you're supposed to be. Perhaps what's going on in our nation right now, perhaps all of this is a really an answer to prayer. That we prayed, oh God, do something with the church, with the body of Christ. And help the body of Christ, Lord. Okay, I'll help you. This is what I'm, I'm going to allow some things to come. And you'll rise up in that hour. You will be enlarged in that hour. We can be enlarged or we can be diminished now. We can choose that. We can, we can just be diminished. Or we can allow the Holy Spirit to enlarge us. It's an inward enlargement. It's not necessarily an outward enlargement. It's an inward enlargement. The outward will, come, will fall the inward. But we've got to allow it. This is a time to be enlarged. It really is. This is a time for, for the body of Christ to be. It's a time for me and you to be enlarged. It's a time for this, what God has spoken over our life, what the promises of God, the creation of God, everything that He designed for us. It's, it's time for that now. It's a time for, you, for that to begin to be formed in you and developed in you. And so here's this beautiful guy, this, this cool guy, that, uh, David, he, he's, he's, he's going through all this. He's writing a bunch of songs. Uh, di- you know, it was his, his journal, journaling all this cool stuff that became, became the Bible. You know, like 75 of the Psalms he wrote. Many of those Psalms were written down there in the cave. Uh, many of those Psalms were written because somehow God got him out of a jam he couldn't get himself out of. And we, we love that. We love that until we're the ones in the jam. Right, and then we're like, uh, help. That's why, uh, you know, it, it has been said, and I believe it's 100% true, that every emotion of man is fi- found in the Psalms. Every emotion of man. That we can go to the Psalms and find something that gives us definition, gives us words to express what's going on within us. Okay, this, this brokenness, this pain that we're feeling, this this. This thing that this, this, that's tearing at us, we find an expression in the Psalms, and many of those came from David's own heart as he went through things and could not. I'm, I'm sure there was times he just couldn't get, Why are y'all doing this to me? I've not done anything to you. I've never wanted to hurt anybody. And why am I being accused of such? Well, you know, that's, that's how powerful these religious spirits are, these political spirits. They're powerful. They're powerful. And it takes a powerful anointing to overcome them. A powerful anointing. And God created a powerful anointing in King David. So, you know, let me just read this one now. I'm going to read. Are y'all, everybody's good, right? I ain't saying, I didn't say nothing. Yeah, the church is here. I didn't say nothing. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to read here when David got anointed the second time. And this, this, this happened uh, in 2 Samuel. David had to go through 30 chapters you know, in 1 Samuel before he even got a chance. And, and so here's what happened was uh, Saul was killed in battle. Okay, Saul and his sons, Jonathan, whom David loved, which is a whole other story, was killed. And so this was like a uh, disaster. For Israel, the king was killed. The king's at the Philistines. 
wow, you know, if you study this, I'll just say this. Under Saul's leadership, Israel was diminished. They lost land. They lost lives for years because Saul had Israel in constant war, in constant war. They were always in a war, and they were losing, 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 okay? And I will just say this. If you rush ahead and look at David, it was obvious that David beat the enemies and got Israel out of war pretty much. I mean, he still fought, but pretty much he was never like Saul where it was just a constant fight and constant losing. Well, Saul, they finally killed Saul in war, in battle. He was killed. He was dead. And so, and it says in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, it says, it happened after this, after the death of Saul. Listen to this, that David inquired of the Lord. See, suddenly the guy who was trying to kill him, the guy that was chasing him, the guy that was putting all this pressure on him was off the scene now. It's like, oh, my gosh, thank God that dude is out of office. Right? I mean, dude, he's done. Right? Now, finally, we can have some relief here and get some things right. That's how David was feeling that day. So he inquired the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? Because he had been, he had been on the run. He had been living in, in crazy places. And the Lord said to him, Go up, David. And David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there with his wives, uh, and he brought his men up, it says, all his mighty men, his, his army that he had get, the people had gathered to him, you know, the, those, those guys who were messed up, who became mighty men. And that, so they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. Okay, so they went up and moved in. Listen, I think it was two years. I think that's what they say. It was probably be two years. This from uh, verse Three to verse four was two years. See, here, here's this trick about this Bible thing. Okay, the trick is it don't give us a lot of timelines unless it specifically says it. You hear what I'm saying? We think, oh, okay, so they went up there, moved up. Next day, the elders all showed up to anoint him. No, that is not what happened. They didn't show up the next day. You see, that's where a lot of times we fail in our thinking. If we, we think stuff's... All this stuff's one after the other after the other, but there was, there's time in here. And then the, the men of Judah came, and they anointed David king over the house of Judah. That was one tribe. That was his tribe. And they told David, uh, the men of Jabesh Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. And that, that's what they did. So here's a couple things here that's really good, okay, about, this, about David, which I attribute to the anointing of the Holy Spirit on him is first of all, David did not presume just because Saul was dead and just because Samuel, the greatest prophet of his time, anointed him as king, that he was going to be the king. He didn't assume, okay, now it's my turn. And I'm stepping in because this guy's out. Finally, God took my enemies out. I'm stepping in. No, the Bible says David inquired of the Lord. Are y'all hearing this? If I could get this, this is the most important thing, I think, in, in my life that I learned about things. If you study David, you'll find out something about David. David was no idiot when it came to anything. He didn't assume anything. He was always asking the Lord, what shall I do? Where shall I go? Do I need to go up? Do I need to stay back? He, 
that term, David inquired of the Lord or David asked the Lord, is used over and over and over and over in his story. That was one of David's keys to success is because he didn't presume. He didn't assume. He always was at. So he said, shall I go up? Yeah, go up. Well, where do you want me to go? He didn't say, well, I'm just going to go where I want to go. You want me to go up? Tell me where I'm supposed to go. That's how David lived his life. He didn't just see the first sick or poor guy, like I'm going to help this poor guy. Lord, shall I help him? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I know people that are always looking for a fight. You know what I'm saying? You know anybody like that? It's like I can describe them. They're a fight waiting to happen. I'm seriously. I remember this dude called me one day. He was upset about what this other person did, and he was telling me, you know, wanting, I don't know why he was talking to me, because I wasn't going to get involved in it. You know, him going and admonishing this person for what they were doing. And finally I said, dude, have you asked the Lord about this? And he said, uh, no, why? I said, I think you should ask the Lord. Because every fight is not your fight. You need, to, you need to let the Lord tell you which fight you're supposed to be involved in. And I think that's really one of the faults of life. And so I've learned the hard way. I'm blaming it on him. I got some bad stories on me about doing things that I knew the Lord wanted me to do. But he said to me, not now. And I got impatient with the Lord and jumped the gun and lived to regret it. See, you see the, well, let's say it, let me say it like this. The right thing at the wrong time is wrong. You know, the right thing at the wrong time is wrong. It's going to backfire on you. It's going to hurt you. I've had people that I feel like the Lord showed me stuff about, and, I, and the Lord wanted me to speak to them, but, him, but at the same time he'd say, wait till I tell you to speak to them, and didn't wait and spoke to them, and it created nothing but calamity. Because they weren't ready. God knows they weren't ready to hear what God had wanted to speak to their hearts. But I was too impatient. And so I think really we got to learn this thing. And I think that's one of the things the anointing taught David. Is to always inquire of the Lord. Always give God the opportunity to speak into your situations. And, and, and about what you should do. And I hope you get that. Because you get it the hard way like I have. The other thing is. is this is great. Uh, David understood that the promises of God and the timing of God are separate issues. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all get that? There's two issues here. There's promises and there's timing. If you, don't, if you confuse those two, you are going to be messed up. If you confuse those two, you are going to be out of time. God has promises over everybody in this room. Everybody in this room has a pro- at least one or two promises from the Lord that you believe in. Some of us have tried to make those promises be fulfilled ourselves, right? Am I the only person here that does dumb stuff? <laughs> God gives you a promise the next day, I'm out, I'm doing this now. This is how we're doing it. I've got to plan how to fulfill this word from God. Okay, thousands of dollars later. I'm telling you literally, I've learned thousands of dollars later. Absolute deject failure. You know what that does to you? That can, that can eat you alive. It can make you not believe anything God's telling you. 
It can make you begin to reject stuff from the Lord. It, it, that's, I think that's one of the reasons Paul said don't despise prophetic utterances is because lots of times we take these utterances and we're going to make them happen come hell or high water. And, and what happens is, is we can't make them happen and we wind up getting disappointed and it hurts our relationship with the Lord. So David didn't. David was waiting on that. He wasn't good, going to go in there and jump in there. He knew that God had perfect timing on everything. And so he was willing to wait for God's timing to fulfill God's promises in his life. And, we, and I hate to say that. I know this is not an amen kind of thought, okay? But if you want to be successful in life, if you want your life to really have a fuller blessing and more anointing on it, you're going to have to learn that. And you're going to have to allow that to work in your life and not, not get messed up over it. Well, that was a great amen, right? <laughs> well, let me just say this. Having said that, David was a, had patience, the fruit of the Spirit working his life, but David was not passive. There's a difference between being passive and patient. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? You can be a passive, sit on your rear end, you know, prove it kind of person. That is not waiting on the Lord. That's not being patient with the Lord. You can't be passive and have what God wants you to have. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? I think I've told you this story before. This is something that happened to me a long time ago that was a turning point in my life as we were sitting in church. I wasn't in a good state spiritually, okay? And a certain person, I won't mention their name, but I'll just say he's kind of a big physical person, you know, like way bigger than me. And I was sitting in church there and and. and and the Lord was doing stuff. It was sort of one of those like transition moments. God was doing stuff. And my friend, he was fortunately we were friends, looked at me, okay? I'm serious, this is what he did. He looked at me and he walks to me. Okay, he's up there pre- leading to me and doing, looks at me and grabs me, grabs me and said, Get up from there, Byron, unfold your arms. That was a wake-up call from me. And he began to talk to me about my believing and about me sitting there with an attitude. Prove it, you know, prove it, God. Be disappointed attitude. You know, and it was like God grabbed me that day. You know, and I, I can look back as that is a moment in my life where I made some decisions about the Lord and about my spiritual life that, that you know, pointed me in the direction I need to go and got me going. And I just think sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need God to grab us and yank us up out of where we are and tell us, unfold your, you know, folded arms is protection, right? Y'all know that, right? You ever read body language? People do that. Some people do it because it's comfortable to them. But most of the time, folded arms, you can start reading people there. They'll fold their arms just to protect themselves. They're trying to protect their heart. Okay? You know, and what he did, he, I had my arms folded and he unfolded them and grabbed me and yanked me up out of that chair like I was a wet rag. <laughs> you know? And honestly, I don't know why I wasn't embarrassed or humiliated about it. I knew it was God at that moment. I knew that God had went back there and grabbed me. And it, I knew that God was doing it because God loved me and that God had a future and a hope for me. He had a destiny for me. He had purpose for me. And he knew I was passive. 
that I was being passive with my spiritual life. I was being passive with my relationship with the Lord. I was being passive with the things that God was trying to speak to me about. And see, David, even though he waited on the Lord, David was not passive about anything. Hey, should I go up? Should I, Lord? Should I go up? Do I need to do this? Yeah, I go up. Well, where do you want me to go then? Go here. I'm going. And when he gets there, he doesn't do anything. He waits on those guys to come. Okay? But I guarantee he wasn't sitting around twiddling his thumbs. You know? And so I want to encourage us not to be passive. I'm not trying to mess with y'all. Okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David knew he was going to get the, the promises of God by being patient and being humble and not being passive. We can't be passive now. This is not a time for being passive. It's time to rise up. Okay, this is very interesting. I'm going to stop here in a minute, okay? I think y'all already know that. I'm just praying that the Lord is speaking to somebody in this room. I'm hoping I'm not here by myself. I sort of feel like I'm swimming. swimming. I don't have no friends in here. That's how I say it. Where's my friends? They're with me. They're not against me. They're with me on this, and God's doing something in their life. That's, that's how you feel. Like, is anybody here? Is anybody with me on this? Oh, I did a meeting one time, and everybody had masks on, and I couldn't figure it out. And I was just <laughs> lost at sea. That's how I'm lost at sea, Lord. Please help me. You know, I'm de- dependent on people, Lord, too much. So listen to this in verse 5. It says, so they, this is after they anointed him. So, and they said this. This is curious to me. This just didn't make sense to me. Let me read verse 4 again. The men of Judah, that means the elders, the leaders, plus the people who were following them, came and they anointed David king over the house of Judah. But this is what they did. Now, don't you think this is something kind of like dumb? Like, what? Why that? Why this next statement? Why did they say that to David? I mean, it seems almost like, okay, yeah, well, cool, great. We're glad those guys did this. But why do we need to know that? Why was it important this was written in the Bible? Why was it important for them to say that to David? Did they know what they were even saying? You know, that, that these guys are the ones who buried Saul. This is important. Even though it didn't make any, it doesn't make logical sense that that's thrown in there. But then it says... So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said to them, listen, listen, this is the first thing David did after he became the official king of Judah. The very first thing. The first thing, this is important. He sent word to these men and says, you are blessed of the Lord for you have shown kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. Think about it. This is the guy who tried to kill David for 13 years. Tried to take his family out. Tried to destroy. Took David's wife away from him. His wife that David dearly loved. Took her away from David. Gave her to another man. Crushed David. David was absolutely crushed when that happened. This is the guy who calls David to live in the wilderness. And David's talking to the men who took care of his body and gave that man a proper burial. Here's David giving them honor, giving them kindness, giving them a blessing because what they did in David's eyes was something that had to be honored, that had to be brought out. Is that David was willing to honor the men who honored the guy 
who try to destroy David. You know, because David had this thing in him. Listen to this. And now may the Lord show you kind, kindness and truth to you. He was giving them a blessing. I will repay you this kindness because you have done this thing. Now therefore let your hands be strengthened and be valiant for your master Saul was dead and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. Isn't that interesting? Your master's dead. Now I'm the king, but I'm going to bless you. And so here, here's this thing that I think is really important what David was doing is David was, he was not only honoring those men, he was giving honor to Saul. And see, what David knew this, he knew because there was a war, a civil war in Israel between, if you read the rest of the story, there was a civil war between Judah and the rest of Israel, between David's men and Saul's son that was placed in kingship by Abner, Saul's military leader, put this man over the rest of Israel, this man who, who was not anointed as a king, he was, a, he was not a good king, he was a bad king, he was a weak man, he was a pitiful man. Abner was a powerful man using this guy just because he was Saul's son to get what he wanted. And so there's a civil war that happened between Israel. The, the nation was absolutely torn apart at this point. It was torn apart. It was broken. The nation was, it was, a, it was a broken nation. And here's what David did, whether he was doing it, he was doing it because he understood the only way we're going to heal this nation is we are not going to dishonor. We're not going to dishonor Saul's house. We're not going to dishonor the rest of Israel. Even though they're fighting against us, even though they're against us, we are not going to be people of dishonor. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Now, if this kind of stuff don't apply to where we at, then we are just dogged dumb. If we can't see the way to bring healing is the biblical way to bring healing. It's not to dishonor. Okay? David honored people not according to what they did, but according to who God said they were. And he honored Saul because Saul was the king of Israel, and he flat refused to dishonor the king of Israel. And I know that's hard to accept sometimes. I remember one time years ago, I asked Sunday morning for prayer for President Obama. I got cooked by some people. And I was like, listen, what does the Bible tell us to do? It says pray for those in authority. You can not pray all you want to, but this is the way I'm flowing with this. We're praying for him, and we're going to believe God's going to do something. I, that doesn't mean I agree with him, and I think he's awesome, but I do believe this. We need to do what the Lord tells us to do. Oh, I'm almost finished. I know y'all love this, okay? So he was trying to create an atmosphere of honor in the country. That's what he was trying to do to help heal the country to help bring the country together again because David had this word from the Lord, I'm, you're going to be the king of Israel. So he knew as a king that somehow he was the one that was going to set the pace for the nation because he knew the anointing flows downward. So he knew the way i got to do this, I've got to be an honoring man if I expect these people to be honoring. And I think the body of Christ, we need to begin to see ourselves like that. We need to be our, see ourselves that God's going to use us 
to to because we have the ones that have the anointing that needs to flow out into the earth, and one of the ways that can really happen is to to not be so dishonoring to people that we might not agree with. You know, it really is true. Um, here's a scripture that says I didn't write it, give it to him, but First uh, Samuel two thirty. This is when. Um, Eli, remember the Eli the priest who was the original dude back in, I talked to you about a couple of weeks ago, the bad old old man that was a priest. And when he was getting admonished by the Lord, and this is what the Lord told Eli. He said, Eli, I will honor those who honor me. Basically what he was saying, Eli, you have dishonored me. And so when we dishonor the Lord, it opens the door for dishonor to come on us. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Now listen, I don't know any of us who haven't dishonored the Lord. When God doesn't do what we think God should do, and we get messed up with God because He didn't answer our prayers, or He disappointed us, or, you, you know, add your list of things of where God doesn't behave the way we think He should behave, and we get this issue going with God. And that's dishonoring to the Lord. We can, we can have disagreements with people and not dishonor them. We must have disagreements without dishonor. When we bring dishonor into a disagreement, then we're doing nothing but bringing hurt on ourselves, and especially so with God. Especially so with God. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, that was an issue in my life. And I can see that in people and stuff that people say and their anger, their frustration about whatever God's not doing for them, there's this dishonor coming out of them towards the Lord, and they're wondering why God's not helping them. It's because they brought this dishonor because they've chosen to dishonor the Lord. Y'all happy? (laughs) You're not looking happy. I'm just, I'm just, what I'm trying trying to do is show you some things in David's life and show you some things that the anointing will enable us to do. It will enable us to be honoring people. The anointing will do that. It'll enable us not to be passive. It'll enable us to to inquire of the Lord. I want to read this one last story. Can I do that? Uh, This is, I'm going to shift to the New Testament right quick and tell you a couple little quickies, okay? I'm going to read this one story. Well, I won't read it all because I don't really have time. Okay, but y'all know this story. This is a story out of Jesus' life in Mark 6, 1 through 6. This is what happened. Jesus is starting to flow in miracles. Jesus is starting to do mighty stuff. Guess what he does? He decides to go to his hometown. Y'all remember the story, right? He goes to his hometown. He begins to talk. Guess what it says? It says, hey, who does this guy think he is? We know this guy. We know him. Isn't he? He's, we know his mama. We know his daddy. We know his brothers. What does he think he's doing having this authority, having these insights? Why? And it says that Jesus, this is the only place in the New Testament that says Jesus could not do many mighty miracles there. Because why? Because they dishonored Jesus. They didn't honor the anointing that was on his life. And it says in that last verse there, it says he marveled because of their unbelief. He was amazed at their unbelief. Amazed at it. Couldn't believe it. Like, wow, I just can't believe. And and so this is what it tells you, is dishonor creates unbelief. 
Do you hear what I'm telling you? And we wonder why we, our faith is not working. We wonder why we can't seem to have faith to believe. Many times it's because we've dishonored God or we've dishonored somebody. Because let me, I'm just going to tell you, this is my Thanksgiving message. <laughs> Honor instead of Thanksgiving. Here's the, I'm going to tell you four, four things the Bible clearly tells us. It's specific. It says husbands and wives are to honor each other. That's Ephesians 5. It says to honor your fathers and mothers, Mark 7.10. Honor the elderly, Leviticus 19.32. Honor your leaders, 1 Peter 2.17. Those are clear, defined things that the Bible tells us. And I believe when we begin to honor those categories of people, that is like the greater includes the lesser. It creates this atmosphere. You can go into a home and see where spouses dishonor each other. You can feel it. There's, there's disunity there. There's brokenness there that when we don't honor, honor each other as husband and wives. And that can be a real difficult time because, you know, sometimes your wife can be difficult. <laughs> I can't, I'm telling you. Like, Rick, you're driving me crazy. <laughs> you ever wonder why you married the person you did? <laughs> why did I do this, Lord? I can't deal with this woman. <laughs> you know, that woman you gave me, God. It was her fault. <laughs> Isn't that the, the fall of man? I'm so proud that I married Becky. That was one of my great decisions in life. I, I've made so many bad choices, <laughs> but I did make a couple good ones. I found Jesus, and when he revealed himself, I said, yes, that was the best choice. And then, then Becky came along like, that's the best, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you, somehow you gave me grace. And she actually, I know I had to trick her a little bit, you know, to kind of convince her. I, I really did. I'm going to confess you. I tricked Becky into marrying me. I didn't tell her every bad thing about me because if she would have known it, she would not have married me. I'm telling you she wasn't. She would have said, no way. Mm-mm. You're too, you know, you're rot- more rotten than I perceived you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Becky's a very moral person, y'all. If you haven't ever known that, she's hugely moral. She's always been like moral, moral, moral. I mean, she didn't ever cuss, you know, all that kind of stuff. That bad language, all that, that just wasn't her. And then she married this person, like, where God had to teach, had to clean my mouth out. You know, and teach me proper language and teach me how to not be angry and respond with anger to get my way. I mean, this, it was so much crazy stuff. And I look back and I feel sorry for Becky, Lord. <laughs> she, had to go through, she had to go through all my messed up self and then some. Well, I did get her on a couple things. You know. Okay, well, praise the Lord. So I have this little... I want to end. I'm going to end right now. I hope you're happy. I hope you have a really wonderful Thanksgiving. You know, gather with your people that you love and, you know, love on them and honor them. them. Yeah. You know, just honor them. Give them honor. And the Lord will be honored. You know, there's a great scripture. Even though they knew God, they didn't honor him as God. Neither were they thankful. Therefore, God gave them over to futile thinking. Gave them over to a dark heart. Just because they didn't do two things, they dishonored the Lord and they weren't thankful to the Lord. It's a great time to honor and be thankful. And I just love that about King David. That And you see that through the rest of his life is he just would not dishonor people. He was very careful. 
Although I will tell you this one thing. This is kind of sly of David. He was tricky. You know, he got, you know, at one point he lost the kingdom to his son, Absalom. And there was a guy uh, who was one of the Saul's uh, relatives, not a son, but a relative. And he was so happy that David got kicked out. And he was throwing rocks at David as David was fleeing Jerusalem, cursing David, throwing dirt at him. And one of David's men said, should I take him out and kill him? Like, no, do not. Perhaps the Lord has told him to say all this. David just took it. That's great, isn't it? That's such great honor that David had. But guess what David did on his, de- on his deathbed? Remember that dude who said that? Don't let him, don't let him go to his death in peace. <laughs> he literally said that. In other words, go and take that guy out. It's time for him to go. <laughs> but he, well, anyways, <laughs> you can put that where you want. <laughs> I just thought it was cool. <laughs> like, yeah, every once in a while you got to get him. You know, every once in a while, maybe not in the moment, but before you die, hey, dude, that dude needs to be taken out. He wasn't right. That wasn't the Holy Ghost. That was a devil. I ain't going to have it. <laughs> Here's what I want to do. I got three things I want us to take a moment and pray about, okay? I want, I want us to confess and repent, number one, for any time we have dishonored the Holy Spirit. Anytime. I just want us to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry I've dishonored you. You know? And I, I'm, I'm assuming this. I'm assuming y'all are like me. There's times when I've dishonored the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I just want to say to the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. And, and I know you've forgiven me. I know I'm forgiven already. But I am repenting. I'm repenting for dishonoring you, Holy Spirit. Just, just tell the Lord that. Just say that to Him. You know, you don't have to dig around in your heart. Just say it. It's more than likely you've done it. The other thing I want us to do is ask the Lord to confess when we've dishonored other people in our lives or people that we've seen. Maybe we've seen a preacher on television or somebody. Like, who does he think he is? I remember the first time I saw Joel Steen preaching. I didn't know who he was. I thought, who does that punk think he is? I literally said that. And it's like the Lord, like, watch your mouth. You're going to be calling him a punk. So let's just ask the Lord, anytime we've dishonored somebody else, say, Lord, I'm sorry I did that. I don't want to be a dishonoring person. I want to give honor. Some, a man, an older man recently made me really mad. I mean, really mad. And I felt to keep my mouth shut. That's what I felt, to keep your mouth shut, because I was mad. I was ready to, I was ready to say some things. And I remember driving down the road and feeling the love of the Lord for that man and feeling so thankful that I didn't dishonor him, you know. And I, I got back to him and told him I loved him. That's why I told him I loved him. I mean, because the Lord loved him. And, you know, I didn't agree with what he was saying, but I felt, do not dishonor this man. He, does, he doesn't deserve it. And I'm just thankful the Lord grabbed my mouth and shut it. When I, when I wanted to say stuff. So here's the last thing I want us to confess. And this is a biggie right here, y'all. Confess for dishonoring yourself. 
by discounting the anointing and authority that God has placed on your life. Everybody in this room, God has placed an anointing on your life. He's put authority on your life. And a lot of times we think we don't measure up. We don't think we're good enough or, or we think we've blown it. And that's just dishonoring yourself and not believing in who God says you are. That's, that's dishonoring. You've dishonored, you've, you've dishonored the Lord and you've dishonored yourself. And the Lord doesn't want us to dishonor ourselves. You know, this is what Jesus said about that. He said, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The Father will. And God really wants to release honor on us. He really does. So just ask the Lord, Lord, I am so sorry. I haven't believed what you said about me. I haven't believed that you love me at times. I haven't believed that I'm special to you. I haven't believed in the anointing and the dreams you put in my heart, Lord, to do what you've called me to do. I just have always thought less and less and less. And I'm just sorry, Lord. And Lord, today I want, to, I want the anointing of the Holy Spirit to help me become a, an honoring person and to release honor wherever I go. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I went to this retreat this week. It was like a pastor's retreat. And I was hating half of it. Like, oh, God, I'm hating this. All they want to do is, they were talking about all this stuff, about beliefs, and like, oh, this is not helping nobody. I need help. <laughs> I don't want to debate these different views on these scriptures. I need God to help me. I even told Becky, oh, this is a waste. I'm tired. Of I'm tired. I want to go home. I wish I wasn't here. But then we had our final meeting, and we decided, let's go around the room and tell everybody, everybody tell that person what they see in them. Wow, it was amazing. It was so powerful. Some people who were prophetic could speak prophetically. Some people were just speaking the beauty of the Lord over them. You know, it was just as prophetic in a sense. But it was speaking life over people and telling people what they saw in them, the beauty of them, the grace of God in them. And man, it, the spiritual level in that room just went sky high. I mean, I walked out of that place feeling like redeemed. You know, like, wow, this is, this is what God wants. It was like a, it was just like soaking in the pool of honor. And everybody left there feeling like they had an encounter with the Lord. Everybody. And so I just pray for us that we would be there. I pray God, like David was a man of honor, and David honored. Even think, he honored people that it was hard on him to honor, but he still did it. And I just ask you, Lord, that that the people in this room and the people watching online, this church, we'd be an honoring place, Lord. We really would have an atmosphere of honor here. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Whew, why don't we just stand to our feet and just conclude. So, Father, we just thank you for that powerful message. Thank you for the truth that has been spoken.
Holy Spirit, let it marinate in our hearts and let the roots go deeper. Father, just thank you for every single person that is here. And I just release a blessing from your heart to them, Lord, over their families, Lord. And let the anointing of the Holy Spirit rest on each one of us. Throw out this thanksgiving, Lord. And Father, we just want to cause COVID and the division that is causing in the midst of families, Lord, that people cannot get together and enjoy the families, Lord. I just cast that right now in the name of Jesus. And I just release the grace, Lord. A grace, Lord. And let your blood, Jesus, cover every single person that is going to go and absolutely be with the families, Lord. That there won't be any worries whatsoever. But there will be a protection, Lord. And we all say it. Amen. So we have the ministry team come up. If you need Father prayer, they'll lay hands on you. But a happy Thanksgiving. Eat a lot of turkey. And mashed potatoes. And gravy. And something. And sweet potatoes. And cranberries. <laughs> you we keep on preaching? Just kidding. <laughs>